I think generally as a culture, in all respects, we're sort of tapped out right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like ideas for movies, for just a bunch of different things are just being sort of regurgitated. So I, I just don't know if the like opportunity space exists anymore for a lot of imaginations sure. in a lot of different directions. Well, yeah, I guess my my question becomes like, what is what is still possible for like the species of human beings to like evolve in the direction of in terms of like new skills mm-hmm. and abilities mm-hmm. that could be like tested in new ways, right? Like, you know, we've gotten so much better, like records are continuously broken, right? Like, There's continuously going to be new faster people or new stronger people. Or, or whatever, right. Yeah. And we understand the science of how to get there better. And we understand all, like all this sort of stuff. And like, and it's just like, you know, the, the genetic combinations lead to these new these new breakthroughs and i do wonder like if there's just a certain point where it's like oh there's a bunch of people who are really good at like x thing now mm. that we just don't like understand or 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 think of as like a useful skill that we can then gamify in some way sure the kids sport. these days they're on their computers all the esports they're playing all the you know the the Call of Duties, sure. mm-hmm. all, of the, all of the League of Legends. So, so you know, drone yeah. drone racing is the next sport. <laughs> I mean, certainly well, there's like, I mean, like with the way like that develops like, um, like reaction times and like reflexes and stuff. Like I'm sure like that there's there's things in that field like I don't know things with fingers that you can do that that maybe we don't think of right now is like gamifiable, but like could be in the future. Okay. Well, so. The thought that comes to me is that it does seem like we're hitting a point and with baseball maybe being a little ahead just because uh, the statistical revolution hit it first where uh, these sports are like starting to get solved in ways that actually like require some intervention like changing of rules which we're going to get into uh, with the movie to make them watchable i wonder if we do hit a point where these games start getting solved and we have to develop sports that are less solvable uh in terms of strategy that there is just like whether that means that there's just like more chaos in them or right what i think i'm you got me think the the whatever baseball has evolved into in futurama (laughs) <laughs> what you, this reminds me of now where there's just like it's just really like it's like there's like pinball elements i feel like and like there's like sure. a bunch of like randomness in that like right. i wonder if that's sort of the, the the thing i wouldn't be mad if like certain playground games sort of evolve. like if we were like if you told mm. me 50 years <laughs> from now you're like tetherball tetherball <laughs> is all the rage on TV, mm-hmm. I'd be like, mm-hmm. that might be kind of if I could watch two like world class tetherball athletes, mm-hmm. I think yeah. I'd be interested in that. I think I would. I, I think, think so. I would enjoy that. Yeah. Okay, Noe, Loach, Mali. 
Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Catherine Weber, and I'm joined by... Andy Gramuga. Emilio Diaz. Uh, and today, we are going to be talking about uh, Infinite Football, as uh, that cold open perhaps presaged uh, Cornelio Porimboya's, uh documentary uh, in a little bit. Uh and to do that, we're joined by uh, one of the co-hosts of Shutdown Fullcast, Ryan Nani. Hi, thank you all for having me. Hello, thank you for, thank being, you for here. being here. Uh, we do, oh, go ahead, Amelia. No, just as part of his tour of being as many podcasts. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless or not of qualification, yep. uh, knowledge base. Yep. Yep, just Audi- audience size. Yep, just, <laughs> whatever I can do to torpedo my personal life by being on this many podcasts. But no, uh, it's it's been a lot of fun doing this. I have genuinely enjoyed all of the podcasts that I have been on, mm-hmm. and we were talking about this a little before we started recording. Uh, you all gave me one of the more intriguing assignments that I've received uh, in the course of wandering through the the podcast galaxy, as it were. You know, a classic thing on this podcast is pranking normal people with art films and uh, (laughs) just seeing how they react to it. (laughs) Sometimes not well. Uh Uh Sometimes we don't react to them well. Yeah. I think more frequently, I think generally people don't like them but are willing to engage. But uh, we'll get get to the film later and see where you lie on that spectrum, Ryan. Okay, good, Mm -hmm. good. But first, Jesse has some news. Yeah, so we are in the time of year in which we are leading up to our namesake, the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, And so we have what is been billed as the final addition to the official selection. Uh, I don't know if I believe that. Uh, There's, I supposed to be... uh, I, I would imagine that maybe the last thing we're waiting for is some sort of John luc Godard tribute. But this se- does seem to, at the very least, be the bulk of what we were waiting for, which is that uh, a couple weeks ago we got a lineup that was clearly incomplete, uh, even to an extent beyond the usual. Uh, and so I think films have been added to every section of the official selection uh so i guess going from the bottom up there's a couple midnight screenings one of them is interesting only in that rarely well in a few ways in that uh rarely does a movie premiere at south by southwest and then play can uh but here we have hypnotic the robert rodriguez film starring ben affleck which i think was build is a work in progress in yes, South they, by Southwest. A, yeah, so it was like a rough cut or that whatever. Perhaps, which, yeah. Right, because we said at the time that that was odd because the thing that the reason it first came to my attention was uh, at the European film market in Berlin in February. Uh, it was being reported, oh, it's so strange to have a, a movie that is fully completed with an American movie star that the rights are being sold for as opposed to trying to pre-sell, but I guess it wasn't that complete. Or they called it a work in progress so that Ken would feel better about playing it. 
Um, we we got another short film. Uh, I think the Pedro Almodovar film kind of was such a foregone conclusion that they just like threw that announcement out at some point and we didn't even talk about it. Uh, and as I said, I think at least one of the posthumous Jean-Luc Godard shorts is likely to play as well. Uh, but there's also going to be a short by Pedro Costa, which will be interesting. I don't believe he's been to the Cannes Film Festival since his red carpet was interrupted by Mr. Bean, uh, a real thing that happened. Uh, <laughs> he's still salty about it. Yep. Well, apparently bygones have finally become bygones. Uh, the... Well, maybe he just knows that there's a guarantee of no bean. Maybe. maybe. He just had to get yeah. that. But Mr. Bean now has the chance to do the funniest thing of all time. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, if he came back, if he got uh, Willem Dafoe's director character, who it's unclear who he was trying to make fun of... Um, and then uh, there, there's more in uh, Uncertain Regard and the special screenings and out of competition that maybe we'll get to uh, when we know more about them. But I think uh, certainly the most interesting announcements were what has been announced for Can Premiere, their new made-up section that they claim everyone wants to be in, and what has been announced for the official competition, the section that everyone actually wants to be in, uh, which is that in Cannes premiere, we have uh, Perdidos en la Noche, a film by Mexican director Amat Escalante, a filmmaker who has been in competition at Cannes and won awards. Uh, L'Amour et la Forêt, uh, a Valerie Donzelli movie, also a director who has been in competition and won awards. Uh, and then Eureka, uh, a film by Lisandro Alonso, who has not been in competition, but has been at Cannes a lot and has made a movie starring Viggo Mortensen and is one of the most uh, respected uh, art directors alive. Uh, in competition, we have got Le Retour, which we heard about, the Catherine Corsini film that they delayed the announcement of uh because of allegations about onset behavior right. and that appear to have been suitably it sounds like the legal issues have been cleared sure. up whether they've cleared it up enough for the yeah. French is what we'll right. say it's, you know. <laughs> and then of course filling the what seems to now be uh obligatory a uh, movie that sounds like a direct TV film, but can't be because you have to have a theatrical release to play in competition. Uh, Black Flies uh, by a French director, Jean-Stéphane Sauver, but starring Sean Penn and Ty Sheridan, uh, which just looks like a stupid thriller. So it is certainly... Interesting to in see in competition. One? Yep, it is quite interesting it's to Sean see. Penn, Andy, what are you gonna do? I mean, yeah, they <laughs> right. love him. Uh, Truly, the most vital artist of the 2020s, is, yeah. Sean Penn. Mm -hmm. Certainly not constantly appearing on award shows, looking like his head is about to explode. <laughs> yeah. Listen, 
where are we gonna get more quotes about Zelensky, Andy? Like, we, That's we need, true. We, we just need. Maybe, to I mean, them. maybe we'll finally get the Oscar smelting update. Uh, he never followed through on that. That's true. And, uh, he was in Berlin with a film, a documentary that he co-directed about Ukraine. I don't think we got a Oscar smelting update then, so I would not hold my breath now. I guess two sure. things occur to me uh, with uh, this announcement. One is that... Uh, Certainly Terry Fermel does not seem to care about optics, but it does seem particularly glaring that there are now uh, zero films in Spanish in competition, and there are three in the Cannes premieres section, two of which are by directors who have been in competition and won awards, uh, one of whom is like an 80-year-old who's making his long-awaited return after... Uh, only having made three movies that are among the most uh, acclaimed of all time. Uh, so that is interesting. The other is that we did uh, hold out uh, when we made our Palme d'Or predictions two weeks ago. If anyone wants to switch to either of these two movies that were added, <laughs> we'll have to wait on Cullen. But if any yes. of the three of us want to do that, I think now is our opportunity to switch to either... Black Flies or Le Retour? I'm good. Yeah, I'm yeah. also good. You know, I'm tempted by Le Retour, I feel like. Sure. Just, it Like that, like, you know, it's Ruben. Who's, what's Ruben going to do? Um, But, you know, probably not. Yeah. I'll probably stick to where what I What if Sean Penn wins a special Palm the Ore for Brave? Mm. Does that count? That. What if they give him a pre-smelted palm? Mm. I mean, takes all the... the fun out of it, doesn't it? Yeah, I the Darden brothers didn't they win Did a special just... palm? And I don't, I don't remember if any of us predicted them winning a palm to test out what happens if you predict someone that wins a special palm d'or. What is even a pre? You just like loose gold? <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just like a pile of It's just like a shapeless pile of gold, yeah, mm. I guess, you know. But is it like Maybe they give it to him in liquid form and Yeah, that's what I was asking if it's it, it, like, it a liquid or a He's got he, like they get, they give it to him at the podium and he's like like hot potato. Like it would just burn right through his hands, I think. Yeah. I think that'd be really good. Sure. I feel like you've pushed back against us uh, making threats on the uh, the physical beings of celebrities before. Well, clearly this would be voluntary. He would accept the. He would have the opportunity <laughs> to reject the award. I'm not threatening anybody. He okay. has full ability. So you're to just saying you want this. Sean Penn to ask for molten metal to be poured <laughs> onto wants, his if hands? He wants to. If he wants I want okay. him to be given the option. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I that just want to is present him with a bed of spikes, and if he lays on it or not, <laughs> so be it. Yeah, that is up to him. I am not culpable. <laughs> well, that is for now. Can we have just about everything we're gonna have as far as films yeah. that'll be playing? We are 
still awaiting a jury, Terry Fermo continues to tell us how hard it is to get people to agree to come to, to France for woman. 12 days and watch movies. Um, so yeah, we'll have that, and then we'll have Cannes. This beautiful list of women it. where they all said You know, no. Jesse, with the cancel culture and the woke culture and everything going on, it's just so hard to find... Mm-hmm. 10 people willing to stay in a first class hotel in the south of France mm-hmm. to watch right. you can't even pour molten metal on actors yeah. anymore without people coming for you so it's so it's true. true so mm-hmm. true well I apologize um, for any part that I may have played in <laughs> making it challenging to uh, put together a can jury we've lost the marketplace of ideas That's Jesse it it's really uh, we've lost it um Listen, I'm still going to go, so... If, That's if, right, if they... Amelia, have you, like... I guess, when does the schedule get re- announced? Do we have any idea of that? I guess you also don't know, like, what tier of, like, access you're going to have or anything. Like, there's a lot of well, questions. You don't need still, to right? let the people so... know that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a confusing thing for everybody, I feel like. Um, but yeah, you haven't started to figure out, like, what your priorities are going to be or anything, yeah. have you? Uh, listen, what I'm saying here is I could have the highest tier of priority, which is you make Absolutely. me a member of the jury. That's <laughs> so true. I mean, yes. We, I'm not worried be about great. being canceled, certainly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm ready to jo- award these movies purely based on merit and not whatever, you know, <laughs> diversity quotas the people might want to impose on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so I think that's all the news. Yeah, that's all I've got for today. Uh, you know, we'll keep having more canned stuff. So I don't know. I can set the stage a little bit for yeah. just like Tell how. Me, yeah, what this movie is. Sure. Well, <laughs> I'll set the stage for like Wait. who Cornelio Porimboyu is first, which is that. Uh. The Romanian New Wave is, like, one of the sort of national cinemas that has come onto the map, like, in this century, and that Cannes has been a big part of that, uh, in that the sort of uh, point at which it was like, oh, this is a thing, is when uh, four months, three weeks, two days, won the Palme d'Or... Uh, in 2007. And so since the and that was by uh, Christian Munju. And so since then, we've had two more Romanian New Wave directors get the sort of welcome to the club, you're in the big leagues, playing in can competition. Uh, the first of whom was Christy Puyu in 2016, uh, which the reaction to that seemed to be, nope, too weird, uh, we're pushing you back off to the margins. Uh, and then Cornelia Porimboyu was the second of those in 2019, uh, with The Whistlers. Uh, and so he is, he is more known as a fiction filmmaker than a documentarian. Uh, The Whistlers, I think, is in keeping with those films and that his main interest seems to be language. Uh, we watched a movie years ago at this point called Police Adjective that was an earlier yes. film of his uh, in which the climax is a man's boss asking him to read the dictionary. Uh, the Whistlers then is like a little 
more kind of genre It's got this, like, thriller heist element. Uh, but it is also mostly built around uh, a language that, uh, a whistling language uh, that is a real language that's used in, I think, an island off the coast of Spain. Uh, and so then we have this documentary career uh, that is weird documentaries about soccer, uh, of which this one, Infinite Football, is actually the second. Uh, and they both see, clearly he is just like a guy who loves soccer. Uh, this one, which we're going to talk about, we realize towards the end there's a, a connection to his childhood. Uh, but the first one was called The Second Game, I believe, uh, and is just a commentary by him and his father over, like, grainy footage of a, a football match from the 80s that his father was the referee of. Uh, and so that, I think, is basically people are just like, this isn't really a movie. Uh, and so he came back with his new soccer film, Infinite Football, <laughs> which is much more well-liked, which we all watch. Sure. Uh, which, yeah, is about... I'd say it is a movie, certainly. Certainly a movie. movie. Uh, It is (laughs) about uh, a guy who has, in a way that kind of shifts throughout the film, either altered the rules of football or invented an entirely new game. So yeah, that's what the film is. Yes. (laughs) So... Ryan, I'd like to know what you thought of the movie, but before that, we usually ask guests what they what their history with film festivals is, and you mentioned that you have that's right not nothing, so I not nothing. Like... Yes, yes. So this would have been oh my god, probably eight years ago at this point, seven or eight years ago. Uh, I was very tangentially associated with a documentary that screened at Doc NYC as part of their mm-hmm. film festivals. A, a film called The Muck. And this is a this is a subject that has been touched on at this point like 50 times, but the short version is it's about this particular region of South Florida that has a disproportionate number of NFL professional football players who have come from there who played high school in these like two very small it's a very poor part of south florida um it's called the muck because there are all these like sugarcane fields that have um basically uh altered the landscape such that like it's swampland in some regard um but it's not sort of it's not purely natural swampland um but yeah, I got to have the experience of like going to the screening and seeing some of the other things that were in uh, in the category. Um, I don't think the film won in its category, but it was like mm-hmm. as cliche as it is. It was just like very cool to be part of yeah. the process, even though like I like had so little to do with this. It was mostly colleagues who had worked really really hard on this. So like. Yes, when you asked if I had any film festival <laughs> direct experience, I had that and that alone. That's as good as any. Look, there you, you go. That's yeah. Okay, so 
Now, on to the film. Yeah. What did you think about it? I... I, I, I thought it was very interesting because it does an interesting... Well, at least in my opinion, this film does an interesting thing where it sort of makes you believe that it's going to be about <clears throat> the the title subject matter. That we're going to be really mm-hmm. talking about this man's alternative vision of how soccer right. should be played. And it very subtly at first, and then not so mm-hmm. subtly, morphs into something completely different. Where, like, that's still, that becomes, like, almost, like, tertiary. It becomes mm-hmm. this sort of background element for a very different and much more personal story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, don't, I thought that was, I thought that was interesting to me, mostly because the film seems to know pretty early on, I would say that this man's drive and what this man is trying to do is ultimately doomed for a lot of reasons that like some of them have to do with him. Some of them have to do with the way like professional sports work in the modern world. But I think it makes a smart choice to say, we're not going to like live and die on Mm -hmm. this person's like, constantly shifting whiteboard we're going to use this as a a sort of way in to a story about him as a person and like changing times and this sort of like very very interesting and very sad sort of like Mm -hmm. look at a life that was literally fractured at one point and has splintered off in a completely different direction from where this man thought it was going to go yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like, it's this movie where you sort of instantly sort of want to figure out. Yeah, it it gets past the idea of just like this is going to be about this guy's ideas for football, and more it yeah. becomes a movie about like mm-hmm. a one man trying to change the past, which is yes. very sad to think about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah um, it is. It's very much like what if you had. What if, like, the guy who emails a sports podcast to be like, oh, what if they did this instead was just like, they should do this. I'm going to get them to do this. It's better. And and I'm going to spend decades Mm -hmm. working on this, rethinking about this, refining it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, um, I've seen a fair number of sports documentaries and this just sort of like, I don't know how how intentional this was, but this does like a really clever job of sort of like following them in terms of the formula to a certain point and mm-hmm. then just throwing the formula out entirely. Which is interesting because like it is, it's a sports documentary that breaks the rules about sports documentaries, but it's also about breaking the rules in sports. So there's some, inter- I, mm-hmm. I thought there were some interesting parallels there. Mm-hmm. Andy, what did you think? Of? Um, yeah, it's it's t- like well, first off, I realized about ten minutes and I was like, oh, it's this football. It's okay. Uh, uh, which is not the football that I know at all. But like, um, I'm not really a sports guy. I like American football well enough and can follow a game and or a, like whatever. But like, I'm not like 
it's not not really my thing uh, to 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 follow or, or know a lot about sports. So much so that I don't really understand what rules he's super significantly wanting to change. Like I don't quite understand like what the original rules he's talking about in in football are. That like that he's like, well, this is the problem or whatever. I get. At the beginning, he's like, "Well, the corners are the problem," and I was right. like, "Well, that was okay." Yes, and then that was interesting. From, and then he was like, "Well, and then we need to keep people on their sides." And there's all like, like I was like, "Okay, I sort of get that he's like just proposing like a bunch of stuff that would completely change the game," but I didn't understand how, and I only sort of understood why. So that made it a little difficult for me to to track the whole thing. Uh, I felt. But I did enjoy sort of the the portrait of him, uh, and like especially like the movie is seventy minutes long. It opens with him speaking, telling essentially two separate stories of how he injured himself. One which was mm-hmm. sports related, and then one which was just aggravating it in right. a non sports injury. Uh, and then, and then, and then it's a and then it's a separate long monologue. Where I didn't even quite recognize him because in the earlier one he was like wearing a big hat and stuff, and so I was like, "Is this the same guy?" But I figured it out eventually. In which he spends a very long time with a diagram explaining what his new rules and his new thoughts are, uh, and then from there, like the the next big scene, there's like there's like a lot of there's it's a short movie, but there's a lot of big long scenes, and the next big long scene I remember is this scene with like him at his job in his office, yeah. and that is was my favorite scene yeah. for sure, yeah. where. He is just, like he's like a bureaucrat guy for who's like in charge of making sure like so, someone comes in with some issue about the the political change and how right. she no longer has the right to or like this like 92 year old woman who like no longer has like in writing that she owns her land or whatever and she's trying to get that all sorted out before she dies so that she can pass it down mm-hmm. to her children or whatever and like he makes a single phone call to someone he's like a middle manager guy about this he makes like a single phone call to someone he's like oh yeah we, we sent it off like it's 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 so you'll hear from them and then right like and that's all he does he like they they interrupt his like interview or whatever where they're talking about a lot of different stuff they have this whole interaction he um he he, he confirms that like as the middle manager he has like brought the mm-hmm. stuff from point a to point b or like someone has and and then and then like also in that scene, they're like, "Oh, we got to get going to this other thing, to, like to get make sure these the, the mm-hmm. things are in place for an election or something." Yeah. I think is what they say. Something and about the, the, the 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 filmmaker is like, "Okay, well, well, we'll wrap up in five minutes." And then he's like, "Oh, five? We got like an hour. We can like <laughs> hang out and talk about this for longer or whatever." Yeah. So like that, like him, the the way that he feel like his need for, despite not being tremendously charismatic or like. <laughs> A guy who like I'm like I really got to know everything about this guy or whatever. Uh, he just sort of has this single-minded like need to like express his new way of getting things done and like of the, that it's and how it's better and everything. And I thought that was like an interesting character portrait, um, even if like a lot of the sports stuff went went over my head. Yeah. Well, I so mean, uh, you go ahead. Uh, yeah, let me speak to. Uh the content of his uh new rules which is i um, do not care for soccer it was the first sport that i played 
Uh, and he had too much running was my conclusion well, when I was that five is years old. <laughs> one of the things that he fixes uh, because sure. yeah, he fixes both of the two problems that I had, which are that rule and not that rule, but there's too much running and the offsides rule doesn't make any sense. Uh, which because he further regulates the positioning, he's like, oh, offsides actually just doesn't work now and so i'm just gonna get rid of it uh by further regulating the positioning and so i will say i am 100 percent on board with these ideas uh i i would be perfectly happy to see uh some version of his sport replace soccer what did what did you think of the version that they portray like there's a scene where they go to an indoor soccer mm-hmm. facility and do not exactly his version, but sort right. of like he as, doesn't as manage realistic. to yeah, yeah did, he doesn't manage to cut the corners. I mean, right. I I was still on site on his uh, team there, and that I was like, well, they don't really get it, but if they got it, it would be good. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, the funny thing is, like, when I first this movie was first coming out and I was hearing people describe it to me, I, a friend did describe it to me. It's like, this is a movie about a guy who gets injured as a kid, so he decides to change the rules of mm-hmm. soccer to make it human foosball. And <laughs> yeah, that is yeah. a sure, little started, bit. Yeah. Started, I like foosball. Foosball's fun. <laughs> that is sort of where his game ends up. I mean, I think even if you don't, can't completely track what the changes of the rules, it is just like, Every time you see his graph and there's more lines on it, I think it's just funny. Of just sure. Like every time, <laughs> yeah. Just keep giving him feedback, and he's like, "Okay, so we can make this work, and I'm gonna more add more stuff onto this idea, and it's yeah. just like further bastardizing everything involved." Yeah. It's aggressively malle. Like I was surprised at how malleable it was because, you know, entering it and and with the opening scene, you're like, "Okay, well, he's been reflecting on this for mm-hmm. I don't know." like 30 years or something yeah because the the injury happened in like the mid 80s and yeah. then they you know it's he's been thinking about it long enough that uh 9-11 was a transformational point yes right correct <laughs> um and so i sort of expected like all right well if he's been thinking about this for that long he must have it down he must like it must be mm-hmm, very right. crystal. He must be sort of like maniacal about the vision, mm-hmm. but he is—he is really open to suggestion in ways that I think are both good. Like they kind of mm-hmm. expose the flaws of his thinking, right. but he is—he wants this so much that he's like, "Okay, I hear you. What if we do this instead?" And so, like, you never really land at mm-hmm. like I couldn't tell you like where he ultimately ends up. Yeah. With his rules. Mm-hmm. I will say, I like the version of this movie where it ends up just being more a movie about this guy uh, and about how this is a ridiculous thing to do, whether he's right or not. I would like to see the version of it that is a series where he, because he seems so open to, like, iterating on it, where it's like, he has his idea, they try it. He fixes some things, they try it again. He fixes some things, they try... I would, like, I would, you know, it's not a long show, but I feel like you could do, like, five episodes of, like, maybe we could get somewhere. 
Yeah, it's like the back. If I mean not the back, I guess the entire, almost the entirety of the rehearsal, which is just like right people yeah. trying an idea and then just being like, you know, it didn't work because of this, so let's try it again. Exactly. Like yes, <laughs> in, I I into... did think of the rehearsal when I had the thought. Oh, sure. I wonder if this could work as a series. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that scene is also very funny to me. As just like. I guess it sort of rang true to me as the as I guess the hater in my friend group where all of my friends will <laughs> often be having an idea and then I'm gonna have to be the person who is just like I, well let me ask you two questions about this idea to see if you haven't wrapped it out and just like the soccer coaches being like yeah that's just like not how people play the sport and it's, it is right. funny as an idea you mentioned it Ryan because it's like he clearly had this idea for a very for, for a long time but it seemed like until this documentary happened, he had never gotten people to try to play it, which seems like right. a, a fundamental right. step in yeah. trying to make any yeah, sport like happen. Yeah, he, like, he talks at the beginning about having gone to Britain and talked to sports lawyers, and then he's just like, he no one was that so interested e in actually trying it. He yeah. mentions, he sent so many emails about it <laughs> at the beginning. He's yeah. like, yeah, so I, know, I talked to this person, and I talked to this person about it, and it's just like, I feel like there are steps in between. So he he says in the office scene, which I agree was, mm -hmm. I thought, like, really. Yeah. And it, it was interesting because at first I was like, why are we here? Why are we, like, mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. really took me by surprise. And as it plays out, I thought it was really fascinating. But he gives a little monologue where he compares himself to Superman <laughs> yeah. and Spider-Man. That's and, true. And he does it in part to explain, like, this is my, like, mundane day job my like secret my mm -hmm. like cover identity but mm -hmm. in reality i'm out here saving sport and looking back on it i kind of real like my theory at least is that i don't think this is a person who like i think the pursuit and the constant sort of like thinking on it and messing with it and sending emails and having conversations like i think that is the joy that this guy mm. is getting mm -hmm. out of it. Like having a thing that he can sort of like have in his brain to sort of, this is, it's not that different from somebody who's like, I write fan fiction. I'm not necessarily mm -hmm. doing it to like right. write a novel or, you know, win a Pulitzer or something like that. It's just a fun thing I do on the side. And so weirdly, I think he's happier never getting to a place where it's sort of like, well, we know if it worked or not. Like, right. he kind of needs to exist yeah. in this middle ground where it's just constantly to be tinkered with, but never finished. Never, ever finished. What's so funny about that scene, there's so many fascinating things about this scene, but there's, like, he gets so many details wrong in that scene, it's just so very <laughs> funny when he, he's just talking about, he's talking about Spider-Man being a pizza delivery guy. Right. He also mentions Superman not being able to take pictures of Superman. That's Which right. Is sort of, like, right. You think he yes. makes a connection between that and Spider-Man, but he really doesn't. <laughs> and then he brings up their alliterative names, and that's and he's like the, that helps them blend in. And I'm like, I'm not sure that's the right. truth. Yeah, <laughs> no. one, this might be a subtitling thing. I think we talked about this a little off air, but he he maybe gets the date of 9/11 wrong. He 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 says the 9th of September at one point. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like what's happening here but i i also do think it's fascinating because you can see to sort of get highfalutin about it you can see sort of like what he's talking about and like the arc of his life not only being changed by the injury but he also mm -hmm. in the office talks about how like 
the political situation in Romania was sort of very important in his life. Mm-hmm. And I think he's what I guess he can't really, he's like sort of reflecting on, but maybe can't get to the full thesis. And maybe that is what the movie is doing. It's sort of like arbitrary rules have defined my entire life. And wouldn't it feel better if I had some sort of control over this? Like this logic seems made up by a bunch of people and shouldn't I have like, why couldn't I make some sure. things that, improve my life and i thought that was a fascinating idea obviously the movie ends on this sort of weird monologue about the nature of language and how like that sort of defines how we think about things mm-hmm. and even they... especially the most fascinating thing in the movie is the art it's like argument towards the beginning i think it's the first piece of pushback that the director gives is just like him talking about like but the way you design the sport, like there won't be any stars who will have a bunch of movement. And he's like, well, the ball is the star. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, I thought that was in that. I thought that to be thought provoking. I was like, huh? Cause I, this is the thing is like my, my reaction to, uh, not understanding the offsides rule was like, uh, let's just, if you, if, if a sport is good, it shouldn't, require positioning to be regulated but i did you know he goes in the opposite direction he's like we can't have a moving the the regulations can't move they have to be very specific uh which you know it it is i was like this is like enough of an ethos that i would be interested in if not this sport like some sport that does function like that. And, like, the director asks him at one point if he's thought about, like, how this would be filmed, and he sa- he's like, eh, sort of, I'm thinking about it from a, uh, a spectator, but I actually do think that he has, because he's right when he says he's talking, he's giving, he he's giving his thing about how the ball is the star. Like, he is right that in any sport, the ball is what the camera follows it is not obviously the ball is not like famous but it is as you know as far as the way that sports are filmed it is the subject uh so i i don't know i would be interested in seeing someone continue to follow that logic yeah like that's sort of what the movie is about in terms of Mm -hmm. whether like the director coming in and being like well people define the rules and like the players of the game being like no well the <laughs> the rules have to be mm-hmm. defined by the way that that people decide to play the sport and right. the guy coming in like obviously with his life experience speaking it to speaking to it being like well the way the rules were set up defined me like mm-hmm. the logic of life has destroyed my life and now <laughs> So we need mm-hmm. a better one so that doesn't happen. And it's just, it's very, very interesting to think of that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, one thing that struck me while I was watching it was like, if he had picked any other, uh, let's say, performance-based thing, <laughs> mm-hmm. these, like, you know, the, these are the things that in, you know, visual arts or something, we say, oh, movements in those in the history of you know painting or whatever are about people deciding i don't like the rules and i'm going to break them Mm -hmm. like we we've been doing it this way and i'm going to do it this completely different way 
Music is the same way. Film and television. Like, all of these are places where there are rules that are followed, and there is a path to sort of say, like, nope, I'm going to go off over here. But sports is the one place where you can't really do... Like, it's fundamentally breaks things in a way that does not give you the ability to to try the thing that he wants to try. Mm-hmm. And if he had had the same brain and had, you know, focused it on being a sculptor or something, mm-hmm. like he would have been able to sort of pursue this. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. he picked not just sports, but like one of the most popular and well-known mm-hmm. sports in the world. And so like, it's really interesting because I, I, he knows it and he says it, mm-hmm. but I don't think he really has an appreciation of like the machine that he is up against. Mm-hmm. Like if for him to succeed, for him to either change how football is played so radically or build a new sport as a, as a rival to it mm-hmm. is like completely impossible. But he's just there being like, well, why not? Why shouldn't I do this? Why not? It's both, like, inspiring and so doomed. So, so doomed Mm -hmm. at the same time. Yeah, and the funny thing is also, like, that the the more doomed thing is that he's also moving the sport away from the direction in which every other sport in the world has moved, where, like, every (sighs) big team sport in the world has started off being a very static thing that then became a more fluid thing. And he's thinking a very fluid thing and deciding to try to make it a very static thing. Mm -hmm. So he's pushing against the grain. So just not, like, even beyond the decisions to make changes, which are already impossible, he's actively making changes which 90% of the people who are into the thing would be like, those are bad changes and we don't like them. (laughs) It is true. I mean, it's like the, you know, I assume that the reason why that that has happened is that it is like what Andy mentioned during the cold open of like, it is to make it so that these sports can allow people to display their athleticism to the maximum extent. Uh, and he is like, you know, he admits that like he's doing the opposite of like, oh, maybe old people could play this game, yeah. Uh, which it is, you know, it is, and you know that, you know, goes up a lot of against a lot of potentially like how we're thinking now about labor with regards to sports, uh, and you know, it, it would be presumably taking agency away from players, which is not what anyone wants to see right now yeah i mean also because it's like it is very funny how quickly it's just like how beaten down he seems to be but also just like how quickly he's like no it will be its own different thing like he talks about it (laughs) right but upon receiving any pushback from anyone anywhere he's like (laughs) no this is this is gonna be its own thing like soccer doesn't need to worry i'm not trying to change soccer (laughs) Even though that is explicitly his goal to get less people in. It's where he started from, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> Upon receiving any pushback at all, he's just like, no, 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 no. This is a different sport. This will be like for old people, maybe. They need sports too. <laughs> yeah. like... Which, listen, that's uh, sort of what happened with pickleball and tennis. That is sure, sort of just like, right? what sure, if we made true. lamer, more static tennis for <laughs> yeah, so I mean... people who are less athletically inclined to play? There, you know, you were you were saying, Ryan. There's a world where 
he is an artist and it's like, oh, these instincts are great. There is maybe also a world in which he uh, lives in the United States and uh, does money, Paul. <laughs> That's, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, it's, um, he was... He was he was a really interesting character because like I just I just couldn't get over how much how much this childhood injury mm-hmm. which seemed very bad and very unpleasant like mm-hmm. it was I couldn't I couldn't really wrap my brain around the idea that like this is the lesson he decided to take away was that mm-hmm. well, soccer was soccer is wrong and not mm-hmm. like the medical system that I dealt with in eighties Romania was was flawed. Yeah. Or Or even like he admits at the beginning that part of the reason the injury happened is that they weren't playing on a soccer pitch. They were playing on uh like a a black top yeah, like a like a black top that had walls. And so when he got pushed in the corner, like his uh he you know he had nowhere to go and this guy kicked him in the leg so yeah like he he admits at the very beginning like this happened because the there was an issue we were playing in a place we shouldn't have been playing really uh but then his solution is not oh people should be uh more conscientious about where they play soccer it's we should make the field an octagon right right (laughs) so there's no hard edges yeah i yeah i mean it does sort of get at like yeah what do you, what what do people want out of a mm-hmm. sport yeah uh, question capital a capital s a sport like is it there for you to like admire a few individuals athleticism is it there mm-hmm. for you to admire a collective thing uh is it there for you to admire the strategy of of someone out who's not participating but like is like mm-hmm. coordinating all these different things and like it's it's like yeah what 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 do people want out of out of that and it's something that i don't really know the answer to as someone who's not a sports guy i'm like i it's always kind of eluded me you know in in many of in most sports i'm like what is the appeal of watching this i don't quite get it uh no one's in control here like no one's like no one's decided what the outcome is ahead of time how do what what, what why, why why bother um you know um uh yeah and it is it, 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 like i i want like he doesn't seem to have a huge grasp of like people, right? He doesn't seem yeah. to understand other people very well. Mm-hmm. He's is so focused so much on creating the perfect system for this game for for the game to be perfect that he like is leaving the people of it all out of it. Yeah, and he's leaving the people like out of it both in the way that the movie addresses and like challenges him on of just like do you know how this would like not be competitive or like an interesting way to play? But I also enjoyed that the movie at no point like sort of asked the question like, is this fun? Like, would people enjoy playing this more than normal soccer? Like, it it never even gets. It only challenges on like a logical perspective of just like, is is this even a thing that would produce competition? Like, this makes no sense. Mm-hmm. It kind of there are points. When they do the sort of like test match indoors, yeah. there are little points where they sort of hint at like at one point, right. the like coach or whoever that he's with is like, the ball's been on one side of the field for like 20 minutes, which means under right. this man's rules, half the players have just stood there yeah. and have right. not done anything. And the right. other half are like exhausted. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so it does right. like it I think it it kind of pokes at that and I can't tell if it's sort of like pulling off the reins to sort of be like we're not here to just roast this man and his idea or if it's sort of like what's I feel like ultimately where it lands is the idea is not important the impulse that produces mm-hmm. the idea is important mm-hmm. or like yeah. the the way the fact that somebody can right. see the world this way like is the interesting yeah. thing mm-hmm. and not his his whiteboard necessarily right. yeah. well and also cuz the other thing that that guy says in that scene is that like these are drills like these are drills that right. they would do right. like so like clearly there is like he is not missing totally like that there are skills that are involved with right. this that there is like There's utility that, to that this. they're getting mm-hmm. something out of doing yeah. playing this game in this way right but it's like but it's losing the fundamental like watchability of like right. what makes it something that you do to exhibit for others as opposed to just like at a training to prepare for the thing that right. like other people want to watch it and come and see right mm-hmm. i mean it's a that makes me think that it's a, a, a of i i haven't considered like why are like the games that people play for recreation and the games that people play for exhibition the same because you don't have the same goals there of what those games right. should do like the goals uh you know it is different like you're not ask you're not necessarily asking as much is this fun when it's for exhibition you're asking do people want to watch it whereas recreation it is more just like is this fun is it safe which is another thing that right. he's concerned with but then obviously like this isn't an idea that is more for recreational soccer either because uh it's way too complicated to be that <laughs> Yeah, nobody, just like when he's trying to explain the rules at the beginning, it's just like a classic moment where I just like put my head in my hand. Like, yeah. You, you have never told this to people with the intention for them to play mm-hmm. it. And it's, 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 just, it's just very funny to imagine. Like, yeah. like if you've ever, if you've ever played a, like a board game or a card game that your friend made up, right. it felt yeah. a lot mm-hmm. like that where mm-hmm. it's like, I don't really follow, but Maybe if we just try it, we'll see. Right. How it Once goes. we get into it, I'll get yes. the hang of yes. it. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the th- yeah, because people are always constantly inventing new games, yes. like new board yeah. games, new card games, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and yeah, it is. Uh, you know, you always hear about the these ones where it's like, well, yeah, you play it twice, and then you'll sort of be able to get a hang of the rules and be able to explain it to someone else or whatever. And it only takes like three or four hours to get through the first time, right. and, like that sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's like. I, this this does remind me like I remember in middle school, whenever we took PE, like there was always would be one point in our semester where our teacher would be like, "So your class project for this year is you have to come up with a new sport." <laughs> However, one of the things that she would do is she would be like, "But you can we can you can do anything if you want to involve water, we can do water," which meant that <laughs> yeah. everybody just would come up with an idea that involved water because everybody just wanted to like wear a bathing suit and throw water bombs at each other <laughs> and everything would just be like well what if we play dodgeball but it, water was involved and what if we play volleyball <laughs> but water was involved <laughs> and the funny thing is like once in a while a kid would try to come up like genuinely come up with a new game for everybody to play and that, those were always the classes that nobody liked and thought were just, um, very boring <laughs> So I do think there is like this is sort of coming back to what I said in the 
cold open where i do think we sort of mm-hmm. have come up with most of the elemental ideas for sports mm-hmm. and it's just we're just struggling to sort of sure. iterate on that especially because sure. like, in a lot I of mean... respects because with what you said jesse like the sports we play for recreation are the same we play for exhibition but in a lot of cases that's basically not even true these days because it's like who plays pickup baseball? Nobody. Sure. People play softball. Yes, People play true. softball. Well, yeah, People I mean, softball like is... Three on three, flag football. Like, I think... Yeah, that's true. A, yeah. There's a sort of element where there's sort of like these paths that divide of where the exhibition version mm-hmm. of a sport and like... That's true. The, yeah. the recreational version of a sport. I guess like when you become an adult, those sort of branches divide because obviously kids mm-hmm. play actual like tackle football and like yeah. baseball. But once you become an adult, you sort of have to yeah, pick one side or the other. So right. I yeah. would sort of suggest that like, yeah, those sports have gotten to such a point right. where yeah. like mere mortals playing it have sort of <laughs> not really been the move anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, though I don't know. Softball is not really different on a like structural basis from baseball in the way that like he is making structural adjustments yeah, to sure. to soccer. It, I mean, it is like there's basically maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there's basically three like outlines for team sports. There's you kick a ball, or you put something into a net, you put something right. over a net, or you do whatever baseball, cricket, kickball are. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's probably accurate. Um, what's fascinating is that by picking soccer, mm-hmm. he has picked what is one of the, like, at its core, one of the simplest sports from a rules perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, Jesse, you're right that the offside rule when you first encounter it is like, mm-hmm. what the hell? What is this? But other than that, yeah, it's pretty much just like, don't use your hands unless mm-hmm. you're like these two people. Kick the ball into this. Mm-hmm. Don't be too rough. And, and that's really it. Like every most of the other major sports at this point, like baseball is the best example. If you sit down and try to explain to somebody from like the base level. Here is mm-hmm. baseball and how it works. You talk yourself into <laughs> complete confusion so yeah. quickly. But, like, the fact that he's picked soccer, <laughs> which is supposed to be this, like, you know, very fluid, very very sort of, like, fundamentally basic game, and said, like, yes, we should put... At one point, they're even talk. He's talking to... Uh, I think it's it during the test match where he's talking to the coach... He's like proposing that they would maybe put a net up in the middle of right. the field that they would have to like keep the ball over. It's wild. And throw some badminton in there. Yes. Yeah, right. Right. Some... right. There's a point at which he is, yeah, he's, and maybe it's earlier too, where he's saying like, well, there's two ways to get the ball from one field, from one part of the field to the other. There's going through where, when you can't, dribble all the way down the field you can move it through the midfield or you can just kick it over the midfield and then the midfielders will never have to do anything right 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 yeah because that's again what i brought it like how it's so moving like in the opposite direction of every other sports where it's just like Mm -hmm. yeah that's how basketball started you have to be in a place and you passed it and you couldn't Mm -hmm. like 
mm-hmm. and then people were like, but it's funner if people can move around and be more fluid. Mm-hmm. And like, sure, or, or American football for years, it was like, you can't throw the ball. You just have to like <laughs> run into each other over and over. And then at some point, they were like, eh, it's probably safer and more entertaining if you can like move the ball in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also funny, just just like, yeah, how we're talking about how he just like jumped over so many levels of how to make soccer more safe into mm-hmm. just like fundamentally changing the sport into, yeah. into something else of just being like, well, what if we just like play, like, what if there were just like harsher penalties or just like people mm-hmm. couldn't stand that close to each other or so many things. And he's just like, no, we need to draw more lines and change the shape <laughs> of a football team. <laughs> I, so I didn't hate the the field change idea. I didn't hate the idea of like making the corners into making it into like a very wide octagon. Basically, I at least was like, okay, yeah, I can see spatially the vision, and it doesn't require that much to be different. Like it's that's a much more uh, uh, moderate change right. and yeah. one that one that i think becomes much more intuitive and he has some, yes. like thoughtful thought thoughtful opinions yeah. about you know players move with the field and this that mm-hmm. and but then it just devolves yeah. into like sub at one point he's talking about sub sub teams yes know, this is, you've yeah lost me. you've lost me now yeah i do i i agree i think if he had just had the octagon idea and talked to enough people about that there would have been people who'd be like Oh yeah, I'd try that. That's cool. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. The uh the shape change does sort of get at like what I often think of are like the more fundamental, like arbitrary things that we have in sports or whatever, like what size of space do we play in? Mm-hmm. What amount of time do we play for? Mm-hmm. Like what sure. a, what distance are things apart from each other or whatever? Like all those like arbitrary things where I like I'm always like well, who decided that? And like, right. why is that the best distance? And why is that the best amount of time? And like, mm-hmm. th- that's always the, like the things that get in my head when I think too yeah. hard about sports. I mean, uh, um... a lot of them, I think did just come out of like, this is the way that will make it so that, uh, it ends in a reasonable amount of time and right. people yeah. win this a roughly like equal amount of time of and it time. depends on right. skill. It is interesting yeah. that you say the shape because they're, I think baseball is the only, like, major American sport where the shape of the field is not regulated. Uh, there's different... Right. The outfields are all different at every stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, it, it, I I guess also one of the few where it's not just a rectangle. I, I yeah, like, you, I wonder why he didn't go to... We could draw circles, too. We could play in a circle. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or an oval, probably. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Add a second tier. Like, let's get another <laughs> level on there. <laughs> let's get let's go yeah, three the dimensions. Up, yeah, the upstairs of the soccer game. But only one player's allowed on the stairs at a time. So you gotta... <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Safety, mm-hmm. Yeah, just... It's just very... It's just, like, an interesting path to follow up. But I do think it it is like what you said, Ryan, where not only is it a very basic game, but also I feel like there is a level of like commentary and like understanding within the movie, but also just like it's a European thing and there's a lot of tradition built into it. And the reason mm-hmm. I think a lot of people talk about 
sports and why people care about them across ages and why pe things need to stay the same. I think this is an argument that often happens in baseball. Is like, well, if you change the rules, well, then the you have to compare people to people who played under different rules. And like a part of this is mm -hmm. the history. And so if you change mm -hmm. like the fundamental building blocks of it, then you're changing just the entire historical context behind the whole thing. And I think in like Europe where... I think they have a, a more, they have a bigger sense of tradition there than I think they do mm -hmm. here. I'll say just to generalize very sure. widely, yeah. I think they would be more resistant to that idea in like contrast with like baseball, which like the big right. thing on baseball is just like rules yeah. changing and just how I yeah. rules change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I and even think right. in like basketball, how things in basketball are mutable. Just like, well, we added mm -hmm. a three point line and then we took it out and then we put it back in and then we changed how far back it is. And even things in American football, just like how far back we kick field goals and just like mm -hmm. so many different things. Yeah. And I mean, also, like the fact that that happens in the United States does also. Uh, you know, makes it clear that, like, even the, like, tiny uh, little adjustments that get made in those sports, like, always have a bajillion tiny issues that pop up of, oh, now we have to fix that, and we have to fix that. And, or, like, you know, instant replay in every sport makes you realize that you need ten new rules. Yeah. But it's also interesting just because I think, do you think the movie slightly gets into it when he's telling his story about like how 9-11 mm -hmm. made it so he couldn't move to the U.S. Where he, the director sort of asked him like, what did you feel about, what did you want to go to the U.S.? And he's like, well, it was the land of opportunity. And mm -hmm. it's clearly like, right. he has some level of investment. Uh, he had some level of investment in moving to the U.S. because he wanted to move mm -hmm. to somewhere where things felt new and he had, he could break away from the consequences of a life that had already happened to mm -hmm. him outside of his control. And I do think there is maybe some level of just like commentary on that where it's just like, yeah, yeah. America, they'll change things, whatever, and you can do whatever and nobody cares. But here where we're stuck with the old rules of football, nothing is ever going to mm -hmm. change for me. And I'm going to yeah. be stuck as this weird middle manager. Yeah. And I like, I'm sure that there is some commentary that we're not, fully picking up on not knowing Romanian history well around uh, coming out from communist rule. Yeah. Uh, given that that came up a little bit in the, the bit yeah. with the, the woman in her land. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it did also, the movie made me think about the great episode of uh, Mad Men where <laughs> the, rich the rich kid is trying to make Hialeah a thing. Uh, yeah, he's, yeah. He's paying. He's paying. Uh, uh, you know, Don Draper, thousands and thousands of dollars to try to make a new sport, uh, popular, and mm -hmm. like everyone is convinced that it will never ever happen except for him. Mm -hmm. uh, funny stuff. I, I mean, I, um, I, Jesse's saying it did make me think of just like he does have a similar arc to Billy Bean in the movie Moneyball, yeah. where it's just like a guy who got screwed over by the way the yep. sport works, deciding he was going to fundamentally change how the sport works yeah he was more just like change how we look at players instead of yeah i'm going to change the rules of baseball so i was in a bus draft pick but yeah this is, though this is, similarly this is Moneyball. if yeah like you if billy bean just like worked 
at an office job unrelated to baseball. <laughs> right. Like, right. In my spare time, I'm maniacally working on how the Oakland A's can build this super <laughs> yeah. roster. And they're like, you don't work here, man. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. No, I will say I, I have read a bit of a recently released book, Winnie Fixes Everything by Evan Drellis, mm. which is sort of yeah. the, the history of the Houston Astros. And it, that book does sort of posit that Billy Bean, the Moneyball this big transformation was sort of giving people with office jobs the ability to yeah, change ba- sure. yeah. baseball. Yeah, yeah, I think that is accurate. I think. Do we have anything else to say about infinite football? Uh, what what did you think of the What did you think of the ending? I'm curious. Well, the ending is interesting because, as we talked about, we we have all seen Police Adjective, which is a fiction film by Cornelio Perumbuyu, which ends, which is this movie that is sort of about this police detective going, trying to, like, solve this crime, but it is turns out to be a very petty crime. And then the climax of the movie is he, he just goes up to his boss and asks, just, like, is this something that a policeman should even have to, like, intervene with? And then the his boss pulls out a dictionary and reads the, different, the definition of, like, police and then like justice <laughs> and then all of these concepts back to mm-hmm. him being to try to explain to him like why it is his job even if it seems like he, it is not his place to define what his job is and i so i think Poromboyu and i think the romanian new wave in general is this movement that seems to have a big focus on like discursiveness and just like the mm-hmm. discussion of yes. just like what these rules and these logics of the world mean and how we need to fit into them. And I do think that it's just sort of him throwing in a sort of coda that I guess the guy does say, so the guy has also given some level of introspection of just like, as much pushback as I got, I do sort of still fundamentally believe and I'm capable of making a good argument of just like how rules and the way things are written do affect how people mm-hmm. live their lives. Even if people are trying to argue with me in terms of sport, it is the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because also, immediately prior to the ending ending, right, there's, like, he talks a lot about his his wedding photos. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. And, like, all that stuff. Right. I mean, it does sort of, like, yeah, it's, that stuff, you know, because I hadn't totally been tracking all of the sports stuff, I was maybe also a little like lost as to like how it all tied together. I think. Uh, I by, mean, by, part by of it is of that that's things. just where, uh, at least I finally realized. Oh, the reason he knows this guy is that this is like a. Uh, he was friends with this guy's brother sure. growing up. Like, he points out in the photo, oh, and this is Cornelius' friend, uh, my brother. Right. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there is more, like, I I think it's more just, like, trying to expand out the context of, like, this is the context he gave at the beginning, but just, like, more context of what his life has looked like is what I got from that. Yeah, I it <clears throat> for a movie that I again I thought was going to be in one direction. Mm-hmm. I I did think it maybe inconsistently, but it is an interesting meditation on rules, mm-hmm. what they are, how they exist, what what they are meant to do, mm-hmm. why they do or don't make sense. And it's like a very strange cuz even this guy's day job he seems to just sort of be like 
um, and an int- a rules intermediary where mm-hmm. he just sort of is like, all right, well, you need to, you know, follow this regulation and go talk to this office. And mm-hmm. like, he doesn't really do anything per se. He just sort of tells you how to interpret administrative right. codex, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. So I, so, so I, I thought it, at least it helped me reframe or sort of like take a different angle on the, the movie as a whole, that it was, really more about like the idea that the rules even the like the fact that he's talking about the bible the oldest rules you know even those mm-hmm. rules like are worth thinking about why are they here and what mm-hmm. do they mean for us and are we do we have to do things the way that we have always done them i don't think it necessarily leads to oh yeah we should try this dude's <laughs> crazy version of soccer mm-hmm. but it is it, it was a uh, a worthwhile i think sort of way to sort of arrive at one angle on this film yeah yeah that is sort of like i guess the power of art movies is it it begins by being a movie about a guy explaining his dumb rules about soccer <laughs> leading to you leading you to question religious fundamentalism sure <laughs> right yeah right. well on that note <laughs> we should move on to special presentations i think okay wait before we move on to special presentations, sure. i have one last question for ryan this okay, is sort sure. of a question where i would almost never ask somebody this because i think it's a boring way to talk about art but yeah. as i mentioned I don't even remember if this was pre-recording or on the recording. We do often prank people with art movies. So I did want to ask, do you think this is a good movie? I think it's an interesting movie. And I think, like, it requires you to... It requires you to, like, give a little bit to it. There there are points in this movie where it's, like... It is... It, it gets a little bogged down and it's a little bit, like, sidetracked. And so I'm not necessarily going to say like, wow, this is an astonishing piece of filmmaking or something like that, but it was worth my time. I didn't, I didn't get to the mm-hmm. end of it and be like, Ugh, why did I, why did I spend 70? And again, it's 70 minutes. That yeah. helps. Um, yeah. Yeah. I thought it, I thought it was worthwhile. It, it was in some ways, and this is not a diss. It might sound like this. It sort of felt like watching a, really weird really specific youtube video mm-hmm. you know where you're sort of like i don't know what i just watched but i know that the person who was who was talking about it really believes in this mm-hmm. very bizarre form of football and mm-hmm. and at yeah. least i know that that's a thing if nothing else and with that i think mm-hmm. we can now move on to special presentation <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh... I can special present something uh, in that mode, which is that I finally caught up on a documentary from last year that just went on to movie uh, called The Plains, which is uh, taking further in every direction a lot of those ideas. And that it is the, the premise of this movie is that this guy who directed the movie just like works in a law office and this guy was giving him rides home and he just set up a dash cam uh and it it seems like it was filmed like over like maybe six nine months uh 
and it's just like probably 10-ish rides home, mostly with the two of them, sometimes just the one guy whose car it is, uh, heading home from this law office. Uh, and that movie is not 70 minutes, it's three hours long. Uh, but I don't know, I, I was surprised by how just, like, watchable I found it to be. Uh, I think... I don't know. I, I heard a lot of, like, ecstatic, ecstatic uh, description of it when it was first premiering, and I am uh, closer to that than I would have expected to be. Uh, Ryan, I guess I, I don't know if we explained the segment, but this is just you shout out something that you have watched or enjoyed recently in any Realm yeah, and doesn't have to have anything to do with movies. Can yeah. be a book or a song. Okay. Or... We, have, we, um... we have shouted out things like frozen yogurt or <laughs> the breeze on this segment. Wind, <laughs> yeah, wind was a big one. All right, mm-hmm. this is this is this is a sad one. Um, I, well, no, it was it was good for me, so I'm gonna go with it. Um, I bought an attachment for my drill that's basically a brush <laughs> and I used it to clean my shower today. Oh, and it was oh. so satisfying to be like, oh, this is like a super clean shower. And I did it yeah. with a power tool. Like mm-hmm. what an extremely dad moment I am having here. But <laughs> I, it, was, it was uh, all the same. I finished the job and I was like, yes, this feels better than it felt before. So shout out to the brush attachment to <laughs> my drill. Great. Andy, do um, you have anything? Yeah, I can go. I uh, I'm waffling between two things right now, and I guess I will go. So I saw um, uh, Ray Romano's directorial debut oh. somewhere in Queens uh, uh, the other night at my local indie theater. Uh, it is, of course, having its release uh, one year after the, tri- the Tribeca Film Festival in which it premiered. Always a great sign. Uh, I found it to be a low-key charmer. I thought it was very sweet and nice. Um, it's sort of uh, a slightly more working-class take on Brad's status, uh, <laughs> a movie that we that we talked about, because it's mm-hmm. so much about like uh, a dad's uh, meditations on raising a son and what his, his son is on the precipice of becoming an adult and mm-hmm. how does that reflect on him and his family and all that sort of stuff. Uh, there's a lot of, there's some interesting stuff in it that I'm like, I wonder, well, that was an interesting story element for you to include or whatever. But um, I had a very pleasant time. I laughed a couple times. I got ch- teary at the end. Is you know, it's everything you want of a nice, pleasant. Uh, uh, it was great. I saw it like immediately after like, essentially at the end of the day on my Friday. So it was like the end of my work week. I was just like rolling out to catch something quick. It didn't tax me too much. Uh, totally recommend it for that sort of purpose. Mm. Uh, somewhere in Queens. Ray Romano's lucky that he didn't have you pitching this movie because I think if anyone walked into an executive's office and their pitch included version of Brad's status, uh, they would be no, certainly kicked out not. immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly that's not where the money is. Um, but uh, it's a great thematic territory, I think. Mm-hmm. Emilio, you got anything? Uh, just a couple of days ago, for shits and giggles, I decided at like 1 a.m. to watch Kiyoshi Kurosawa's film Cure, and it was the scariest movie I've ever seen in my life, and I have not slept normal since. Uh, 
it's very good it's uh you know sort of a psychological thriller you know cops trying to catch a serial killer but it'll uh make you question whether you can get hypnotized and kill other people so if you want a little bit of that in your life check it out i do think it's like one of the better movies i've ever seen in my life so yeah. people should just check it out but it was also like last week i talked about how rarely films actually scare me and this one was one where at 2 30 a.m with half an hour left in the movie i was like too spooky pausing it watching it at 11 a.m tomorrow where nothing can get me <laughs> nice and with that uh Thank you, Ryan, for being on. Is there anything yes. you is there anything you want to plug? Uh, you can listen to a much more unstructured and nonsensical <laughs> discussion of not sports, still, even though it's a college football podcast uh, at the Shutdown Fullcast. But other than that, no, thank you. This was a lot of fun, and I, I appreciate you all having me on. Of course. Yeah, thank you. All right. If you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, you can do so at Can I Kick It. If you want to follow us on Letterboxd or Instagram, you can do it at C-I-K-I Pod. If you'd like to donate any money to us, you can do so at coffee.com slash can I, ko-fi.com slash C-A-N-N-E-S-I. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to email us in, you can do that at canikickitpod at gmail.com. And if you want to follow any of us on Twitter, Andy is at Andy T. Germ. I'm at Cladgley. Emilio is I'm Laugh Alone. And Jesse is JCP Glake Weber with two Bs. And I will now release our audience. Bye-bye.